666. Traffic is clear ahead from here to the afterlife, but it's hell outside. For the next hour, you're on nightmare time. So let's give a grave welcome to our hosts, John and Kim. Hello again, fiends, and welcome to Nightmare Alley, an offshoot podcast from Nightmare on Film Street. I'm Kim. I'm John. And this week, we are talking to co-writer-director Mickey Reese of Climate of the Hunter. Mickey Reese is an incredibly prolific Oklahoma City-based filmmaker, uh, and his new movie, Climate of the Hunter, is actually in select theaters right now. It's, it's also going to be coming to VOD January 12th if you don't have a theater open near you or one that's actually playing the movie. Uh, but we highly encourage you to check this out this was featured on our best of 2020 list it was an honorable mention because it was still technically kind of a festival movie when we were talking about it oh yeah like i have i have a high prediction Mm -hmm. there's a high chance there we go there we go found it uh that this is gonna be on my 2021 list oh definitely Yeah. yeah 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 this movie this movie fucking rocks it's so great it's set in 1977 and it does everything it possibly can to sell you on that late 70s aesthetic. It's shot in 4x3. It's got the 70s hair you want. It's got 70s food, food. guys. It's Yeah, they, they specifically used 70s lenses. We're getting a little off track already, but <laughs> if you're unaware of Climate of the Hunter, uh, if you've never seen it, if you've never heard of it, it's a small character-driven story about a maybe vampire who shows back up at his old cottage to reminisce with some cool sisters that he knows. <laughs> And that's kind of about it. Like, it's 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 just a few characters getting together for dinners over a few nights, but, like, things get strange. It's wonderful. <laughs> Maybe Wesley's a vampire. Maybe Alma's losing grip on reality. Maybe the stars are finally aligned and madness is about to ensue. I really enjoyed this movie. It is an absolute blast. You will find no shortage of comparisons uh, to, like, the films of David Lynch, but that's basically because Mickey Reese is very unique in his filmmaking style. Um, You know, we are not incredibly familiar with his work. We're just sort of starting to dip our toe into that that filmography, but, uh, you know, from frame one, you can tell this is this person's film. Like, this, this is, like, nobody else's movie. This is a Mickey Reese movie. We got a chance to sit down with Mickey Reese to chat about the film and what inspired it and his filmmaking process. We do get a tiny bit spoilery, but this is the type of film that there isn't really necessarily any huge spoilers to divulge. So if you haven't seen the film yet, you are definitely okay to to listen to this. But if you want to go into the film completely blind, I would check out the film first and then listen to the interview. No, you're you're absolutely right, and uh, I honestly I think you could enjoy this conversation without without having seen the film yet. I, it's definitely going to make for a great listen if you've just finished the movie and you want to learn more about it. Uh, so, without further ado, I want to throw you to our interview with co-writer and director of *Climate of the Hunter*, Mickey Reese. That him? That's him. I have a dim half-remembrance of long, anxious times of waiting and fearing. I'm afraid we are all alone, my dear. 
You're not alone. I really just needed time to reflect. I've been wondering if I can make a home here now. In the winter, it gets real lonely. It's like a goddamn ghost town. He's changed. I'm not sure he's even human. Terrified of death. But I'm even more terrified of being alone. I have revealed my true nature. Now you understand who I am. Mickey, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today on the podcast. We're really excited to chat with you about Climate of the Hunter. Oh, well, thank you for having me. And and congrats on the theatrical release. This that's you know, it's Well, COVID COVID theatrical. Right, release. you know, <laughs> like this it's gotta be a little bittersweet, but I'm sure you're at least happy about it, right? I mean, yeah, I mean it's 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 a milestone I've always, you know, I've always uh, wanted to achieve, but uh you know, however it comes. So I'm happy however it comes, you know what I mean? I'm just glad it got released. Yeah, you've you've been making movies for a while now. How ma- like how many is this? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> you know, because I don't know what how you count them. You know what I mean? That means it's a lot Be- when you say I don't know. <laughs> well, yeah, well, it's because like you know everybody uh, you know says like this is Mickey Reese's twenty uh, seventh feature, and I'm just like this is not my twenty seventh feature because you would have to go back you know twenty seven movies ago, and those movies were terrible. I don't want anybody seeing those movies. <laughs> those don't count. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So those are more like sketchbooks, you know. We could redo this whole thing if you want. Be like, Con- congratulations on your debut film. Like, we'll just reset from here. <laughs> this is this Mick- is it. <laughs> Reese two point Yeah. If uh, people are discovering you though through Climber to the Hunter, are there like the previous films of your which are your favorites? Which would you recommend people check out first? Uh, all of the stuff on Alamo on demand right now. That's so, perfect. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's like uh, there's uh, T-Rex, Suedehead, Strike to Your Mistress and Cure's Heart, Mickey Reese's Alien, and Arrows of Outrageous Fortune. And there's also like a little documentary that, you know, kind of like sums it all up, kind of like a primer to for about what, what you're about to watch kind of deal. Yeah, actually, I really was hoping that we'd have a chance to see that documentary before talking with you because it's like it, it sounds like you've really created your own little film community out in Oklahoma City, right? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, more like out of necessity. It wasn't ever, you know, the goal, but that's, yeah. So what's what's it like to be the ringleader of that circus? I'm sure it's got to be strange, right? Well, it's not like the uh, I'm the only filmmaker in Oklahoma or anything, you know what I mean? There's there's plenty of others. I'm just, you know, have my own kind of core group that I work with, you know, but we're it's like a family. That's awesome. And that's just the only way I really know how to make movies, you know, like as a family. Yeah, and you see... I couldn't imagine like getting hired onto something and then going on to a crew with a bunch of strangers and like ordering them around you know what i mean (laughs) so how how collaborative are your films like do you show up with a finished script and and that's it and that's what you guys shoot or is or does it really evolve once you put it in front of other people yeah yeah for sure we're working on one right now and then you know just like we start talking about scenes and you know ideas come whatever idea is the best idea is the one i'll take you know what i mean 
And so it's not like a power dynamic where I'm like, no, I don't think so. Like, you know, that's not my idea. If someone has a good idea, you know, it goes in the movie. You see it on the screen. That's awesome. Like that, that, that's just great. And like, I think that speaks to like your, your intuition, but like, how do you weed out good ideas from bad ideas? Yeah. Taste. I mean, that's a great response. <laughs> it just feels right. It's the only way I know how to describe it. You know, you just, uh, you just take, you know, what you've learned from making all the movies and watching all the movies and then apply it to the set. Yeah, because I guess it's always a little risk when you when you get something creative on the day of and you're just like, this is going to be amazing or not at all. <laughs> right. Is it? Yeah, exactly. You, you, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. I was going to say, like, your movies are, like, really unique. And I I get the impression that you're just you're just shooting from the hip. So, like, is it really weird to to sit with a guy like me who's just like, where do these ideas come from? And, like, how do you, how do you decide what's good? And you're like, I don't know, man. I just do it. Yeah, well, I mean, it's just... Uh, basically, you know, I didn't go to film school or anything like that. So it was just by way of making a bunch of movies and trial and error. So now it's, you know, like I go, you know, it, it, I see whatever we're at on the day. I don't really plan a lot. I mean, we, we prep like a normal movie, but I don't really like do storyboards or plan because I want to create on the day, like as far as picking shots and stuff. You know, I'm pretty confident now in, in like my ability to be able to make something out of nothing if or make something, you know, shitty, make halfway decent, it's like through tricks. You know what I mean? Like through, through different, uh, you know, just how you what the, the language of the film is based on that scene. You know what I mean? Like what, for instance, uh, one scene informs another scene and then it creates its own um, its its own movie i don't know that's that's <laughs> say, of course that's the way it works but uh yeah i don't know it's just uh intuition now like you were saying well that says a lot too though because with with climate of the hunter a lot of it is staged through dinner scenes and table scenes so to keep that interesting and dynamic is a major skill because you're you're revisiting the same table setting again and again throughout the movie uh yeah and yeah and each each one has to be shot completely different than the next one yeah there's um, a one of my favorites is just watching the wine glasses from cut to cut and how perfectly uh characters pick up in one scene and they they just become a periphery character in the next shot but the wine glass is like perfectly aligned and like my movie watching brain i just love it so much it's so perfect <laughs> yeah that's just because those are awesome actors and they know it's the exact moment that they lifted it up or whatever because, you know, they're used to working with one camera. It's movies, so good. You know. Well, viewers, we watch for that kind of stuff. And when you just when you see a wine glass in the right hand and in the right spot, you're just like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, me too. When I'm editing. Like, <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's so great. Because like my assumption is just like, I bet that he he shoots this like a really well rehearsed stage. Play I know. Like this must make be editing so easier. rehearsed. Yeah. <laughs> We were we were like anticipating you saying how meticulously laid out that was because I was like the, the wine glass is in the correct spot. <laughs> um, I mean it's definitely rehearsed, like you said, like like kind of we're heavily rehearsed, like it's a play at that point. I remember going through that second dinner scene, the the Percy the, the dinner scene with Percy Wesley's son, and just it was you know it was a monster, you know that's like a ten minute scene or something, and uh, I remember getting there on the day and started uh, rehearsing with them. And that was where I was like, oh shit, this is where <laughs> I needed storyboards or something. Cause that was a really complex, all that stuff was really complex setup. And I was like, oh no, how are we going to do this? I've never like 
done something, you know, this complex because it just seemed like, oh, it's going to call for a lot of different uh, perspectives on that. So, yeah, there was a lot, you know, we rehearsed it once everybody got it down for a long time. Then it was like, okay, <laughs> now let's figure out how to shoot this thing. Do you think storyboards uh, would have been really nice there? Do, do you think storyboards are something you're going to have to pick up, or that you're going to sort of fold into your your process, like as you approach things that you know are a little more complicated? You don't look happy about it. <laughs> yes, unfortunately, yes. Um, however, uh, on the we did we shot a movie since climate, and uh, I went to the uh, locations and started shooting cell phone pictures of the angles and. That works really well, and that's a lot easier than drawing. I just suck at drawing, so I would just be more like, "How do I, you know, draw this guy over here?" But this guy, like, I would just, you know, that's that's my only hang-up about storyboards. Really, it's just I suck at drawing. Well, and it's like perspective too, because you're just like, okay, what would the, the corner of the top of this room look like? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so, uh, like, in in terms of like going out to locations, like, I understand that most of this the idea for this movie came after seeing the the cabin location that you you set most of the movie at what about that location said to you vampires 70s oh um nothing in particular (laughs) okay so how did we Um, get there (laughs) well i would think it was like it like it was like here are the rules we have this location we have these actors and it needs to be horror Okay. And so that's just that's just what came out. You know, I'm looking at uh, Ben Hall, and I'm like, you know, he'd make a good uh, Dracula. I certainly wasn't gonna have a bunch of like kids in the woods, like the movie we've seen a hundred times. Yeah. So, yeah, I just you know, it all just you know, you get all of the resources together, and then like you know, create the story out of that, and that's kind of how it worked. Now, uh, the film's really ambiguous about whether Wesley is actually a vampire. And I, I, that's one of the things that I absolutely love about it. It never quite tips you to fit to, to one camp or the other. Uh, but like, do you have a personal opinion about whether or not he's a bloodsucker? No, I think he's just like a big dork. <laughs> <laughs> he can be a dork and a vampire. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I just think he's just like this pretentious dork. And I, and I like, and he kind of lets his guard down a little bit in that, uh, that final scene with uh, he and Elizabeth that the, when they're having the cherry cherry cheese, or not before the cherry cherry cheese fight, because she brings it. Uh, I don't remember what meal they're having, but at his place, when she, we, I mean, he invites her to his place, and he kind of like lets his guard down, where he's like, like where she's, she's like, you don't go to many parties, do you? And he's like, no, nah, I really don't. Like, you know, I feel like he's kind of like letting loose a little bit there, of just like, I'm actually a pretty big dork. I just, you know, use all these big words. <laughs> I got one that's or two how. stories from Sao Paulo that I like to tell everybody. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. So that's that's kind of how I uh, how I see him. Actually, like I'm thinking back now, like when when he invites her over to have dinner at his place, do we have one of those overhead presentation shots of the meal? Yeah. Sh- okay. Shit, I just don't remember what it was. Every meal. <laughs> Every, like, that is. Oh, it's honestly my favorite of the whole movie. The the food shots. It's so great. <laughs> it's such a it's such an incredible little detail that's added in. That's just it just blew our minds when we first watched this. Oh, love it so much. Is there a cookbook coming or? <laughs> uh. No, I, well, we thought we talked about it actually, oh, wow. um, but those are actual recipes, so it's like we wouldn't be creating anything. That, are they like actual like classic seventies seventies recipes? Yes, yeah. that's amazing. Uh, the Frankfurters in the potato uh, soup. The Frankfurters in the potato <laughs> soup is like such American trash. <laughs> <laughs> and the jelly yeah. salad. Uh, I remember. Uh, 
first time I watched that with somebody just climbing the hunter in general. And as soon as that thing popped up, like, Oh, that was weird. That's gotta go. And I was like, Fuck you. <laughs> this has to stay. Oh man. We're, we're so, we're all about that weird stuff. Like when Otis finally talks, it's like, yes, what is this? <laughs> it's awesome. So the, the celestial stuff is also something that I wanted to ask about. Like was, was that, like because they, from what I understand, the the food shots were sort of on the day decisions. Like, oh fuck, we gotta we gotta take a photo of this. Uh, were the 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 celestial visuals of the movie in the script as well, or was that something that was just sort of like added after the fact for flourish? No, it actually it actually was. Right it on. was. It, there, it, that, yeah, it was in the script. There really wasn't a lot of uh, improvising. The things that were kind of done on the spot were that the narration with the food and then um, her narrating, she starts narrating again, like, you know, uh, Wesley had long forgotten like that. Was, like, <laughs> that was like, that was there on the, on the fly. Jeez. Uh, I feel like that's it. That's all I can really remember. There wasn't a lot of like improvising. It's all pretty much right there on the page. That's awesome. It's such a weird little wrinkle. That is like, what I am constantly mulling over in my head, like how I feel it plays into the story. And I think it's like one of the biggest things we talked about when we were rewatching it last night. Yeah, it's great because we first watched it, I think we saw it at Fantastic Fest? Or Fantasia, maybe? Uh, in 2019. And so we rewatched it last night. And it's great watching it again, knowing kind of where we end up because you, you notice that the perspective changes in the second half of the film. Like we're more in kind of the maybe the psychological interpretations of what we're seeing so like uh the sister going to dinner and stuff and how it starts to get really weird and strange you realize that that the perspective we're in may not be completely honest and entirely grounded so it's really wonderful how how insane some of the the visuals and stuff get there uh yeah um you know if it were up to me i would have just she wouldn't have been uh crazy at all you know it would just (laughs) i would just be the movie um, you know, like a Boonwell film or something, but you know, I was like, this might not be because it's a uh, you know, because we're trying to make like a horror movie, it might not be completely uh palatable to just go off the rails like that. So, um, so I'm actually glad, and I think that's you know, uh, I think audiences have resonated with it more because you know, it is because there is a reason for all the craziness. But even though sense. like vampires playing poker, I mean, you don't have to justify that, that's just perfect. <laughs> <laughs> that is such a great little vision and I, I love how we transition to it with the the bats flying toward alma and then she sort of turns and now we've got like a floodlight on her and she's where did where did the idea of like vampires playing poker come from because it's such a fun visual man uh that is just something uh actually me and my uh buddy joe kappa uh were talking i i think he read the script and uh and i think he literally said be awesome. She just walked into a room and it's just a bunch of vampires like playing poker. And I was like, <laughs> I was like you're really on to something there, buddy. It's in the movie. <laughs> yeah. And then it was kind of like, shut the door. Shut the goddamn door. That was just like those, you know, I was like, I got to get you guys talking. I got to get you guys saying something. And then, yeah, that he's cheating. This son of a bitch is cheating. Like all that stuff. That was just because we were there and I was like, I know what has to happen now. Yeah, somebody's got to get stuck. So yeah, yeah. So I don't remember how it was written, but I think I think it was written as, you know, vampires playing poker and then one of them says, like, shut the door and then, you know, cut to, you know, whatever the next thing is. But yeah, yeah but then the cheating thing of him stabbing him, that was definitely not written in there. So 
yeah, so that was something improvised too. So maybe I'll come up with more uh, scenes that were improvised as we go on, but that's <laughs> I, truly that's it, I think. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. That's all right. Like I, I love that you're, you're. It looks, it sounds like you're always looking for opportunities. Like obviously you have the location and you have the actors and you gotta, and it has to be a horror movie. So like, uh, so you're you're able to just sort of like throw throw everything you got at that. But like even when you're in the process of making the movie, you're still constantly like looking for ideas and looking to to fine tune it and make it better. Do you think that's what's lacking in a lot of like big budget movies? Like they they lose that because there's so much money on the line. Well, you know, it gets harder and harder. See, because you know, I made so many movies with just me and a um, camera with a microphone on top and um, a lot easier to just find things on the fly, you know, to find like to get interested in something else and do it. It's a lot harder when you have a crew because then you kind of got to talk them all into it. And sometimes it's worth it and sometimes it's not. So I think with those big budget movies, it's probably never worth it. Yeah. So they just got to have it like really, you know, really, really, uh, really good on paper. So, I mean, I mean, with that many movies under your belt, do you do you have an example of something that you you really talked everybody into that just like, fucking flopped? Like, it was just a bad idea that you had to scrap? Uh, yeah, I can think of one specifically, like, right off the top of my head, but it's in the new movie that we just shot, so I, I can't really talk about it. Um, but as far as this one, climate, and that one goes, those are the only, like, kind of bigger crews I've worked with. And I say big crew, I mean, it's still a small crew, but it's a lot bigger than just me and a sound guy and a camera <laughs> guy. You know? That's awesome. I mean, like, you know, again, like this, this movie really feels unique. It feels like it's, it's your own style of thing. So like, I don't really think you're, you're pulling from anybody in particular, but Oh, oh well let's, that's the well that's that's, that's the question that, that, that's pretty much it she's like i don't think you're doing this but like tell me where you're doing this like <laughs> subtly where i'm not noticing like what movies were you pulling inspiration from even if it was just for a shot or how to block a scene or something that stuff is just ingrained like so i'm ripping off of something but i don't even know what I it don't is know. Yeah. Oh, okay so like, you figure it out in post uh, like oh shit i took that from this movie Yes, yes, exactly. Like way later on, like, oh, and then sometimes I'll even hear lines from movies and I'll be like, oh, that's where I got that line. Oh. <laughs> the, uh, well, Daughters of Darkness was a big influence on Climber the Hunter. I mean, we were watching that. that movie and I basically, kind of like, like visually, if it doesn't take place in this world, then it doesn't take place in ours. You know what I mean? Like kind All of right. like, th these are the rules. Like this movie, these are the rules. So, you know, kind of like, when I find it's a lot easier than that or a lot easier to do it like that where you just kind of pick like one influence and this is going to be the whole movie as opposed to being like we can just throw the kitchen sink at it creating rules make, makes it you know it makes it easier to work with because you only have so many options at that point and so you have to get creative with those options so like what were what were some of the more like bigger bigger rules that you had like this movie had to had to had to follow by or the story had to abide by oh well i mean it was uh like, you know, writing the script, we were still trying to make it like a, like Dracula. I mean, there's still like BJ Beavers is the uh, Van Helsing character and you have the, uh, 
the you know the the damsel in distress and you have uh and of course the charming vampire like you still are playing by all of those uh same tropes so you know so that that was in there for sure and then the other stuff was just kind of what we got more interested in as far as what they're talking about yeah i think i think one of my most one of the one of the tropes you play with that i find most interesting is like the idea of dracula's brides uh because wesley's wife in this is like i have so many questions about what happened to her because, <laughs> because it seems like they together entered the vampire world, but but she got bad blood or something. Like, oh, I, I also just <laughs> yeah. But I love that neither of them knew that that was a thing that could happen. It's just like we, there's no fucking handbook. I'm real sorry, and that's the scary yeah, yeah, part yeah, of yeah, this. Yeah, you got some bad blood, and now you're you know like you are. So I'm gonna go ahead and move on now because <laughs> you know I got some ladies to tend to. <laughs> so my total fan theory with the with the ladies of Wesley is that the final shot, like at the uh, the psychiatric facility, they're all like ex women of Wesley's. <laughs> Every single yes. one of them. <laughs> oh, that's awesome! And yes, that it for now. That is, that is, <laughs> that is so. It's a, yours. You can have it. <laughs> especially the one that's like rocking in and out on that chair. Oh, real she's hard like going at the edge wild. Of the <laughs> so that's like uh, basically our whole crew. Oh, right on. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just like put them all in because <laughs> we we were out in the middle of nowhere. We didn't have extras, um, so yeah, we just kind of filled it with our with our crew members. So Caitlin. She's a production designer. She's she's in there. Uh, Tammy, um, she's our locations manager. She's in there. And then uh, Jack, she's our wardrobe girl. She's the one walking in the <laughs> <Yes>. chair. <laughs> uh, and then Tony, our uh, makeup artist, is in there too. Um, so yeah, that was basically like just, just the whole crew. Stefan, he's our uh, still photographer. Um, he's uh, back. He's the doctor, like back there. Oh, and no then way. you see, there's like a janitor guy that kind of walks by with his broom. That's uh, Nick McDonald, our sound guy. So the whole crew like ends up in the movie. That's fun. And the score for this too is 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 so great. Like especially even like I'm just thinking about that guitar riff that's that's playing over top of the, the end shot and earlier when she's on the swing. But it has such a vibe to it that like really sells the rest of this movie when like like real fucking hard. I, I really and you you've worked with this composer before, correct? Oh yeah, yeah. He's awesome. He's my boy. <laughs> <laughs> uh we're having a we have a blast on this this new movie that we're doing right now it's called country gold the premise is george jones invites garth brooks out on the town in nashville the night before he used to be cryogenically frozen in 1994 <laughs> who's um, sorry like oh, just one quick question though like i'm not entirely sure who george jones is you don't know who George Jones is? You don't know who country and western music legend George Jones is? Unfortunately, I do not. I'm sorry. I know I know Garth Brooks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're not big on country, and also we're from Canada. All right, well, George Jones is, uh, yeah, he's one of the big ones. He's classic. Right. Classic country. Add him um, to the Spotify playlist now, I promise. Don't lie. <laughs> I'm going to check it out. I like Hank Williams. <laughs> You're fine. You don't need to listen to George Jones. He's not that great. Anyway, um... Oh, but the score-wise, man, we're just, we, we, you know, got this kind of, like, uh, this very uh, uh, minimal, like, a kind of acoustic guitar, violin stuff, like like the stuff in Nebraska. It's, oh, yeah. It's really, yeah, it's really pretty stuff, and uh, so I'm really excited to unleash that one. Oh, didn't I, uh, I think, didn't I also hear that it was going to be in black and white also, like, just like Nebraska? Hell yeah, it's in black and white. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I can't wait to see that. 
And yeah, like, I'm very excited. I, I also I also happen to read um, that you were working on a movie about Marshall Applewhite. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wait, who's Marshall yeah, Applewhite? He's uh, he's the leader of the Heaven's Gate cult. Oh, so, like the, the super bald guy with all like the oh, Nike tracks. Okay. He's guys, it's like it's like my he's like super close all the time to the camera. Like <laughs> my vehicle is attracted <laughs> to your vehicle. Like that guy. Yeah, it just like, like he looked like an. So alien. we're gonna have to. So we're gonna have to castrate ourselves. <laughs> He's amazing, uh, but no, we've got a really a premise for it, and uh, and uh, it's, it's it's essentially gonna be done like as if we were Heaven's Gate members, like making the movie. So oh pro yes, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, but also, it's just an origin story. So it's like it's it follows this like uh, this couple in the seventies that are. Uh, driving cross, cross country to get to uh, Oregon to go to this big Heaven's Gate meeting. Meanwhile, you know, like Godfather 2, like it like, switches <laughs> timeline. Uh, so meanwhile, we've got an origin story with Marshall Applewhite um, and it ends uh, at, you know, just kind of the first like meeting where everybody was just enthralled. Now oh, I just yeah. told you the whole damn movie. I don't even have to make it, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. what's, what's so great about that too is that you have so much video to pull from because they have so many instructional videos, like even just sitting on YouTube right now that you can check out. Oh, that's going to be so good. Are you going to do the like instructional videos like throughout the film? No, 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 because that happens later. Oh, this is an okay. Story. All right. Yeah. So all of all the stuff you know about uh, you know Marshall Applewhite, Heaven's Gate, like, there's not we're not even gonna show the death. I mean, we're not even gonna show the suicide. It's literally just like the origin. Like you end, it ends on like a big high note. So you're just like, you know, let's look into that. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I think they got it down. <laughs> they were, yeah, they were really, they were really onto something there. That's fun though, because mo- most cult movies, anything relating to cult leaders and stuff, it's always the downfall. It's always the the after the fact and like the fallout and the the helter skelter of it all. You never get the like, yeah, let's follow this guy. Everything is amazing. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, because there were um, definitely tons of people that were like, you know what, it'd be great if I just threw my life away. Let's tithe. <laughs> <laughs> let's tithe. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. I mean, that's, but that's a, the stuff I'm more interested in. That's a real fun idea. That's like, how you got there, you know, what, how you got there in the first place. And also just their ideas, you know, I mean, because essentially the whole thing would just be him and uh, Bonnie Nettles, his like partner. They're like Doe and T. Yeah. Um, them sitting there, uh, you know, talking, you know, looking up at the sky and seeing, you know, just like just seeing these this imagery that they know in their minds is true and that they are, um, you know, he, they, you know, they are uh, messengers from from God or, you know, from all of the you know things they believe that we would just kind of work in. That is a um, a, a, a compelling argument is that's the idea. I mean, that's these are my goals. But, you know, we're just we're working on like outlines and stuff right now. But I mean, uh, when we go to write it, that's the goal. I don't know how it's going to turn out. But, yeah, the idea is to kind of like a like a pro Marshall Applewhite movie. <laughs> So have you fallen down a big culty rabbit hole getting ready to like write the movie? Well, you know, I've been following a long time. Uh, so, you know, I don't have to really go that far deep. I've already, <laughs> I've already been there and came <laughs> out. All, but right now I'm just like, I'm super busy with getting Country Golds, uh, you know, going because we're shooting that next month. So, oh, wow. Uh, you know, yeah, it's one thing at a time usually. I was going to ask. Like, I, if just, you've I, been I just get so, so excited and get so many projects going. And then I'm like, oh, damn. 
I forgot. You know, I have to like finish this one first. <laughs> like, oh shit, I forgot I'm supposed to be on set tomorrow. I can't write. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. I was I was gonna ask if if uh, like the COVID uh, pandemic has been like a more productive time for you in terms of writing, but it seems like it hasn't really stopped you all that much. Well. No, I mean we shot a movie in January of last year, so then so I I haven't shot anything since COVID, and which is not my usual output. I would normally have already like you know had something going. I would have already shot something, I don't know, months ago. But COVID has definitely been sucky and slowing things down. Um, but uh, we don't have big crews and big casts, so you know like Climate of the Hunter could have very could have been a would have been a great COVID movie because we were all together in uh those cabins did you guys actually stay where you were shooting that's cool we had some uh a couple hotels for some for some actors coming in and stuff here and there like that were uh probably you know, 10 minutes out from there it's like in the town of Tahlequah from where we were where's Tahlequah Oklahoma <laughs> <laughs> I, I was gonna say I think the answer is probably Oklahoma <laughs> I could probably, uh, I mean, I, I would have to, it would take me a second to point it out on a map. <laughs> I think it's right here. So what, so what exactly is that, is that campground or like the, I guess you wouldn't necessarily call it a campground. Like, is it like a camp style camp that you'd go to where you, you rent your own cabin? Cause it looks great. No, uh, I am not allowed to talk about it. <laughs> okay. It's it just a, a secret undisclosed location. Yes, it's a private uh, little area. What do you call it? Commune? <laughs> kind of neighborhood. I don't know. Like, it's just, you know, a bunch of people own cabins there. And, you know, one of the stipulations about shooting there is that I can't really, you know, dive into it too much. That's all right. I guess that's that makes sense for them if they don't know how popular the movie's going to be. And if it blows up, they don't want, like, thousands of people just flooding the place. And Oh, like the it's... the original, like, Friday the 13th camp is, yeah. like, now, like, a tourist zone city. <laughs> yeah, I think there's they're, they'll be fine with this movie. But regardless, I agreed not to talk about it. So That's almost more interesting, though. Though there's some mystery. Like, what's <laughs> yeah, in that yeah, camp? Yeah. Do they bury bodies there? <laughs> yeah. They are like you know now with the Heaven's Gate movie coming out soon, I would think the chances are somebody's gonna draw a line. They're like, oh, the last remaining Heaven's Gate people are there, and they don't want anybody to find out. <laughs> <laughs> they're yeah. just they're just building little GeoCity websites in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> GeoCities. <laughs> yeah, they still have that website up, by the way. Yeah, somebody still runs it. That's amazing. You don't even have to way back machine that. <laughs> nope. No, they still have people that are managing that, which is wild. So, uh, before we let you go, we like to ask everybody that we sit down with what their dream double feature would be at the drive-in. Uh, if you could pick any oh, yeah. two movies to play at the drive-in, <laughs> then what would you play? Oh, I don't know. Right now, I'm in a uh, country music movie mode, so I would pick, like, Tender Mercies and Coal Miner's Daughter. Why not? Okay, sure. Yeah. <laughs> that would works. Okay, I fun follow-up. What would you pair with Climate of the Hunter if that was playing Drive-In Double Feature? Uh, Daughters of Darkness. Cool. Right on. That's awesome. It's the same movie. <laughs> yeah, we, we recently saw Daughters of the Darkness for the first time. Same with Buffalo 66. Like, watched both of those movies for the first time a few you months ago. You just before. saw Buffalo 66? Yeah, man. And, like, I cannot stop thinking about it every time I watch that second dinner sequence with Alma's daughter. I'm like, this is just like the fucking Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> It is exactly like that, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you were, like, asking about, like, influence and stuff. It's just, like, I just, you know, like, 
okay, we got to shoot this one different than the other one. So let's do it like this. I knew it was from Buffalo 66, but you know what I mean? That wasn't like, you know, I, I can't really say that that was like a big influence, but it was because they're all influences. You know what I mean? Yeah. All the movies. So yeah, that was a perfect example of something that, that was definitely, um, you know, someone from Buffalo 66. Right so, on. So triple feature then. <laughs> That's not a bad idea. I would. Oh fuck! I would love to see all three of these movies together now. What order? You can even throw Buffalo '66 on the on the anything though, and, and tack it onto any other uh, double feature too. I mean, that's just a, it's a solid movie. We just need, <laughs> just need to get more people to see it. That's all. Mm-hmm. Right on. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us, man. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Climate of the Hunter is currently playing in select theaters. So if you've got a movie theater available. If you've got a movie theater near you open that is that you feel safe to go to, it or might be playing. Or drive a drive-in. In. That's true. Up here in Canada, drive-ins are Frozen. closed. Frozen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, you know, maybe out on the West Coast, you could probably hit this up at a drive-in. At the very least, it will be available on VOD beginning January 12th. And you can check out Mickey Reese's back catalog at Alamo On Demand. You can check out more Nightmare on Film Street at nofspodcast.com, our website, Instagram at Nightmare on Film Street, our Discord channel, nofspodcast.com slash Discord. Wherever you want to find us, we are everywhere. There is a nightmare. Every platform has a a film street. I fucked that up real good. (laughs) (laughs) If you love Nightmare on Film Street and you want to support the show, head to nofspodcast.com slash fiendclub for our fun membership packs, rewards, live streams, and all that fun jazz. nofspodcast.com slash fiendclub. But until next time, I'm John. I'm Kim. Stay Stay creepy. It appears you made it out alive. But we'll get you next time. Help us to grow the horde. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. More terror can be found lurking on our website at nofspodcast.com. And while you're at it, check out all of the other spine-tingling shows on the bloody, disgusting podcast network. Until next time, stay creepy, fiends. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc say goodbye 
to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.